Hello, and welcome back to Days Gone By, a podcast that is part of the Scattered Abroad Network. My name is Jameson Stewart, and today's episode of Days Gone By is a sermon by Don Walker. And the title of his sermon is, I Want to Go Home. I've listened to this sermon several times myself. This is one of those sermons when when I want to hear Don Walker's voice. He was one of my teachers when I was in school. When I want to sit and listen to him teach or preach again and refresh my memory about him and about his teaching, this is one of the lessons that I go to and pull up. I want to go home. And I hope you enjoy this episode of Days Gone By with Don Walker. There are words within the English language that when they fall upon our ears, oftentimes will stir up joy and remembrance. Words like mother are words like home. I can think back in my life. My father was killed in a car wreck when I was seven years old. And his parents, my grandparents, took my sister and myself to raise us. That was home. I had the privilege of being raised in a Christian home. And for that, I am grateful. The Bible has a lot to say about the home. We go to the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We remember on the sixth day that he created Adam from the dust of the earth. And he created Eve from the rib of Adam. And at that point, by that time, he had already prepared a home for them, Eden. Everything they needed was there. They had responsibility. They were to tend to the garden, Adam was. Eve was to be a help suitable to Adam in that task. They had a relationship with their creator, God. It was... I suppose as close as men will ever be to heaven on earth here in this world. However, you and I know that that Eden was shattered, taken away, when Adam and Eve transgressed. But what stands as significant is the fact that God chose that emblem. He chose that metaphor When he wanted to display for us the relationship that we can have with him. We see in Ephesians chapter 5 that God would liken the church to a home in which he is the bridegroom, the husband, and the church is the bride. And so we see a relationship there. It's special. And it's always been since the very beginning of creation. We read through the Old Testament and we see even the Jews had that that longing to be home. The psalmist said in Psalm 127 and verse 1, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord watch the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. And embedded within that passage, that verse, are the thoughts of home. He continues on and speaks of the man who has a quiver full of children and how blessed he is. We remember in Psalm 84, the background, the psalmist separated from his God, not in the land of his people, not in his home, 
And he said, how amiable are the tabernacles of the Lord. How beautiful, how lovely they are. And in verse 10 of Psalm 84, he says, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God rather than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. Why? For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand outside. That's why. Because home is special. We turn to Psalm 120. We read through Psalm 135, 134, I believe. And you'll note that in each heading of those psalms, it will be marked as a psalm of degrees or a psalm of ascents, that is, ascending. These psalms, most believe, were ones that were sung or chanted those three times when the Jewish males were responsible to return to Jerusalem, to return home, so that they could worship their God. These settings, the days that were set aside, the Passover was one of them, Pentecost. These were special times as far as the Jews were concerned. Festive times. Some of us can remember back when we were growing up, we went to country fairs or county fairs. And the community would get together. And there would be different things going on. They would have quilting contests and they would have... Uh, things that were grown in the garden, they would be judged. It was just a time of merriment, a time of happiness. And that's really what these times were for the Jews during the year. And you can imagine a Jew who lived in Jerusalem sitting on his housetop in the evening. His brethren that had been scattered throughout the lands coming back and they'd be singing these psalms, chanting them. Psalm 133, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. And how that must have thrilled the hearts of the Jews when they would gather together, they would be home. I can remember my granddad, when he raised us, he worked in construction. We moved about every year and a half to two years. We always went back to Texas. That was home. Buchanan Dam. We were raised on Lake Buchanan at Buchanan Dam, Texas. We lived in Arkansas, Mississippi. We lived in Tennessee, we lived in Alabama, we lived in Iowa. He would work for a year and a half or two years, we'd be there, but then we'd go home. And it was always thrilling to go home. And so it is, we have embedded that idea, that thought. When we turn to the prophet Zechariah, in Zechariah chapter 8, we find there a description of Jerusalem. But we're not talking about physical Jerusalem there. That's not the intent of the prophet. For the prophet is speaking of spiritual Jerusalem. And if you'll open your Bibles there with me, you'll find a passage that is very calming, peaceful. A passage that will help to really set a tone within us that will really go back to times at least my age that were better in our nation. As we look in Psalm, or rather Zechariah chapter 8, I begin with verse 2. It says there, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I was jealous for Zion with great jealousy, and I was jealous for her with great fury. Thus saith the Lord, I am returned unto Zion and will dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. And Jerusalem shall be called a city of truth in the mountain of the Lord of hosts and the holy mountain. 
Now listen to the description that he gives us. It's something that we can pull on in our memories. He says, Thus saith the Lord, verse 4, There shall yet old men and old women dwell in the streets of Jerusalem, and every man with his staff in his hand for very age. I can remember times when I was growing up in the areas where we lived that an older individual, and that's what he describes here, one that needs a cane to walk, could walk upon the public streets safely in the city without any fear of harm, without any fear of danger, but they could walk in peace. There are roads not very far from here, I would imagine, that in the evening a good strong man would fear to walk if they were wise. He continues on as he gives us this description. And the streets of the city shall be full of boys and girls playing in the streets thereof. When I was growing up, I can remember we would leave in the morning. We'd eat breakfast and we'd go. And we'd go all over the place. We'd come home for lunch. We'd go back. And then we'd come home at dark. And I don't know that my grandparents or my aunt and some uncles, for that matter, as I was playing with my cousins, I don't know they ever were a whole lot concerned about our safety. Now, they were probably a little bit concerned about what we were doing. But as far as danger, it just wasn't there. It wasn't present unless we, in our foolishness, put ourselves in a dangerous situation. And yet that's not the case today. You can't let your children play in your own front yard without keeping an eye on them. And so we see a very beautiful picture here, and it takes our minds to home when we turn to the pages of the New Testament. We see there that the Lord will speak of a glorious glorious living entity and he will call that entity the body of Christ those that are called out from the homes that they have in the world to bring them into the home that God has provided for them it's known as the church Paul said in 1st Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15 but if I tarry long that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of truth. And so here we are, the church of Christ, and what do we see? In one of the great metaphors of God's Word, we are a family. We're at home. I have kinfolk. Kin by blood, kin by relation. I don't spend a lot of time with them. My children, we are close and we talk and we have time with them. But as far as my extended family, aunts, uncles, cousins, not that close. Because we're heading in different directions. By far, without any question, without any doubt, I'm closer to those that are in here than I am to my family. This is family. This is home. And as we dwell here, we need to recognize, number one, the idea that this is heaven on earth. Like the Garden of Eden. Think about it a moment. 
If we are in the body of Christ, if we are in good standing, faithful, and have not strayed away, we have association with God. Is that not what Adam and Eve had in the Garden of Eden? Because I am a member of the family of God, the church of Christ, I have access to my Father at any time. I could stop at this moment as we are in this action of worship to our God and I could ask you to bow your heads and I could approach that throne of grace and I could speak directly with the great sovereign that created the universe. I felt no reluctance if I needed to talk to my grandfather to go talk to him. I have that with my Father in heaven. But not only do I have my Father in heaven, I have my older brother who loves me, who has cared for me, who has provided what I cannot provide. I had an uncle that I was raised with. My father's brother was only four years older than I was. I was seven years old when I moved in with my grandparents. When my father was killed, he was 11 an older brother. They were my parents. He was my older brother. He and I got along well, but uh, it wasn't always smooth. And I don't know, in all honesty, that he always had my concern in mind. And I know I didn't always have his in mind, <laughs> but that's the way family is, right? But there is that bond and that tie. But when I speak of my Savior, Jesus... This lesson we had this morning, how he cares for me. This is home we're talking about. How my older brother cares for me. What did he do? He became poor so I could become rich. Just cut and paste this morning's sermon right here. And then we pick up there. What does that mean? Those riches, though we touched on them this morning, we could develop those. And as we do, we could do so in the context and in that view of family, of home. So here I am in the family of God, and my older brother watches after me. And he has promised me that as you imitate me, as I've shown you the Father, I'll be with you. And I'll be there, and I will fight for you. I will protect you. I will guard you. You go read those ascent psalms when they're going back home. And just read it with purpose in mind and, and read through them with this idea, this thought, watching for this. How many different ways that God is described as far as his relationship to us in the idea of he is a shield, he is a protector, he is my rock of defense, family. You see, family stands up for family. And that's why home's so special. And especially is that true in the kingdom of heaven. My grandmother's brother-in-law, my great uncle, I guess, my dad's uncle, would tell me stories about my dad. And he told the story about he and his brother, who was older, my uncle Ed. And he took them to the park one day. And he was watching them, and Ed came over to my dad. His name was Milton. And he said, Milton, I want you to go over there and whoop that boy. 
And Ed said, my dad didn't blink an eye, didn't say a word, got up, went over there and whooped him. Just put a whooping on the boy, came back. And I stopped right there in the story. We'll finish it in just a moment. And I asked myself, why did he do that? He did that because his brother said to go do it. That's why family. Would he have done that without question, without thought, just go and do it if a stranger had come up? Hey, go whoop him. I doubt it. He whooped that boy, turned around, came back and said, Ed, and Ed said, yeah. What are I whooping for? <laughs> family. Now, in our physical families, they don't always go the way they should. But we have an older brother that's concerned about others also, right? Souls of value. He died for them too. He wants them to be a part of the family. Now, our older brother is the only begotten of God. Everyone else, the children of God, brothers and sisters here, brothers and sisters of Christ are adopted. That's you and me. Which means we once had our home in the world, separated from God, apart from Him, not a part of the blessings that are therein, not a part of the privilege of being able to go to God the Creator whenever we wanted to, to speak to Him personally, to let our desires, our requests be made known. We couldn't do that. A father who cared for us and who watched after us, we didn't have that. But Christ wants that for everyone. He wants everyone to be adopted, and now we have been adopted from that. We all know what it's about. We all, and these passages in Scripture ring in my ears heavy a lot of times. In 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and following, or yes, where he talks about uh, the uh, uh, things of this world, those that will not inherit the kingdom. He speaks of adultery and fornication and uh, uh, so forth. And he says, and such were some of you. You were out there among them. That's who you used to be. Ephesians chapter 2, when he's speaking about where we once stood. You hath he quickened who were once dead in your trespasses and sins. And then he goes on, he says, You walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, according to the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. You were by nature the children of wrath, while you were fulfilling the lusts of the flesh. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in our sins and our trespasses, has quickened us together with, by, in Christ, by grace you are saved. But he says... And we all had our conversation there in times past. There was a time when I made my home in the world. There was a time when, unlike Moses, I reveled in the pleasures of sin that only last for a season, Hebrews eleven twenty five. And it was a time when, at the moment, I thought was great. But as you look at it overall, there was always that longing. There was always something else. And fortunately, I came in contact, of course, with the gospel at a young age. And that seed planted sometimes doesn't sprout immediately. And I always had in the back of my mind, I knew, 
I was out there doing what I ought not to be doing, but I knew. And that longing. And I finally, like the prodigal, came to my senses. In my father's house, at home, the servants have it better than I have it out here. That's what was taught. I'll go home and I won't demand the position of a son. I'll ask to be a servant. And as he is returning, in the process of his returning, before he gets there, the father runs to him. Puts shoes on his feet, ring on his finger, kill the calf. He who was dead is now alive. He's back home. He's back home. You look in Luke 15 and you read those three different parables that Jesus speaks. Parables of lost things. And each one, when it's found, it says there's great. Now listen carefully what it says. There's great rejoicing in the midst of the angels. God stands in the midst of the angels. Now I know and I'm confident the angels rejoice with him. As we would rejoice with him if a brother returns. But God's rejoicing. Why? We're home. We're home. I read a moment ago Zechariah chapter 8. And as we read in Zechariah chapter 8, it reminded us, perhaps those of us that are older, older of times past, better days. I enjoyed the time I grew up in. You didn't see me like this all the time around a video game. Never played video games until I was in high school, I guess. And then it was Pong. <laughs> that didn't uh, interest me very long. We were out. Those were good days. But as I have grown, as I get older... And as I realize more of what Paul wrote in so many passages, but in 2 Corinthians 5, for we know if this earthly house of our tabernacle be dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. And I read this, and I've always known that it was messianic. I've always known that Zechariah was pointing to the kingdom. The church, the time that you and I have the privilege of living within. And as we live here, we see the blessings. We see uh, the privilege of being in the house of God, of being home. But now when I read these things, I don't necessarily always go back in memory, but I look forward. Realizing that we are sojourners here. That it's only temporary. We're just passing through. Students and, and many from the school went to PTP uh, this last week. I doubt very seriously if any one of them, while they were there, went down to the bank and opened a bank account. And down to the post office and got a post office box. I doubt if any of them spent any of their time looking for a house to rent or to buy while they were there. Because that's not home. 
That wasn't, uh, their roots were not there. For this time, two years at least for students, this is home. This is where we put the roots down. And though they were there, they knew they'd be coming back. Did you look, those of you who may have the Facebook, different ones that went to PTP, they talked about, oh, what a joyous time, what a great thing. It was wonderful. The week was, and I hate to leave, but I'm what? I'm ready to go home. Ready to be home, right? And as I grow older, and as I realize more and more that uh, I'm not as uh, strong as I used to be, I'm a lot more brittle. You don't believe me, talk to my wife. She'll be glad to tell you all the things. If you have time, it'll take a while. I understand day by day that I am closer to my demise than I have ever been before in my life. I recognize in a realistic way that more than likely, unless I'm going to live to be 118 years old, I've lived way more than half of my life. And I realize more that this home that I have among brethren stands out and apart more and more from the physical realm. And that idea of home, which in my youth, I would think about the house we lived in, I would think about my grandparents there, and I would think about those things of this world. More and more now when I think of home, I realize this world is not my home. And I'm just passing through. I know that every one of us would acknowledge that, but I have to admit, even after I obeyed the gospel and became more serious about being a Christian, that thinking was somewhat foreign as I, when I was younger. Yeah, it wasn't as strong as it is today. This world is not my home. I have to ask myself, okay, I would acknowledge that even back then, but I would have to question if people were watching me, what would they say? How would they think that I would draw a conclusion? Do I emphasize the same things that all of my neighbors who are lost, who have homes in the world, do I emphasize the same things they do? Do I pursue the same goals that they pursue? Are my priorities more in line with how they prioritize than how God prioritizes? You see, there's the real statement. For children of God, we know that we must put the kingdom, the church, our home and its righteousness first. The kingdom of God and His righteousness first. That means I'm going to change jobs. First question, not how much am I going to make. First question, where can I live? No. First question is, how is this going to affect my service to God? I'm in a job that I have discovered is taxing me more in my priorities because of where I am and what I'm working 
are shifted and my work is being put before my service for the Lord. Where's my home? Where's my home? And then as we grow older, we finally get everything in line. Hopefully we do it younger. I know some have a lot younger than I did. And we still have that longing, don't we? Even with the blessings that we have in the church, we find now that, yes, we have communion with God. We have fellowship one with another. Yes, we have all spiritual blessings to equip us in a world that is so hostile, so negative. A world that we want to be removed, that we want to exit when we start thinking the way God wants us to think. And as we do, I want to bring this to a close with these thoughts. We labor and we work, and we know that putting the kingdom first means that we glorify God. That's our purpose. And as we glorify God, we long for the time when we can lay aside this physical body and, and we groan for the time we'll put on that spiritual body, which is fitted for eternity, wherever it may be that we spend, whether in heaven or hell, for that matter. And so we think to ourselves, we communicate one with another, and we sing, and all of this is biblical, it's right, how beautiful heaven must be. Ultimately, where do you want to go? I want to go to heaven. That would be the answer for many of us, wouldn't it? And so we start thinking about heaven. We're encouraged to meditate on heaven. And as we do, we think about the descriptions that we find in Scripture. We'll go to the latter chapters of the book of Revelation at times and see the street of gold transparent as glass. We'll see the gates of pearl. We'll here describe the beautiful gems that are in the walls of that city. The description where our God will wipe away all tears. That's what happened when we went home, wasn't it? Fell and scraped our knee. Mama would wipe away the tears. But when I go to God's word, it puts a greater depth to it. A greater longing. And really a higher thought, in my mind at least. For when the Bible, when the New Testament Christians were writing of that time, when they would be able to enter through the pearly gates... The gates that stand ajar for the obedient ones. They expressed it differently than we do. For they expressed it, well, for example, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 13 and following. Paul speaks there to the Corinthians concerning the second coming. Let's them know this is what's going to happen. For the righteous, he's talking about those who are right with God. He says, he shall return with his mighty angels. The horn shall blow, the shout shall come. Those that have died will be raised a spiritual body, 1 Corinthians 15, to meet him in the air. Those that remain on earth will follow. They'll be changed in a moment in the twinkle of an eye. And then Paul concludes it this way, so shall we enter into heaven. No. Paul says, so shall we ever be with the Lord. So shall we ever be with the Lord. 
In John chapter 14, when Jesus was talking to the disciples, he's between the, the upper room where he established the Lord's Supper. He's walking to the Garden of Gethsemane. He's preparing them, getting them ready for what they are going to face, getting them ready to, uh, for, so they'll know what they're going to see him go through. And in John 14, he says, You believe in God? Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And if I go, I go to prepare a place for you. And when I come, I will receive you unto myself. I will receive you into my presence. And when we look at it and boil it down all together, isn't that the definition of heaven? The idea that we will stand in the presence of our God. We will be eternally equipped to fulfill our created purpose perfectly and without flaw. We will go home. Not to a destination, but to a presence. A presence with our God. And in the end, doesn't that also reflect the genuine, true, practical definition of hell? 2 Thessalonians 1, 7 through 9. Those who do not know God, who obey not the gospel, vengeance and fire. And they will be separated from God eternally. Bottom line, that's hell. That's it. And so as we fulfill our trek here as pilgrims passing through, we long for home. We're ready to go home. And as our first century brethren, we ought to meditate on that often. It was on their minds. And as they proclaimed, as we see voiced in the next to the last verse, of the last book of the New Testament, our brethren would say and proclaim, even so come Lord Jesus. Why? Because we want to go home. We want to be with the Lord. To stand in the presence of God, to go to heaven, it's a prepared place for a prepared people. Not everyone's prepared. If you're not a member of the body of Christ, if you're not a Christian, if you have not obeyed the gospel, you're not ready. It's not your home. But you can receive the adoption, be adopted into the family. And my father will be your father. My privileges that I have because I'm a child of God, you can have. If you believe that Christ is the son of God, John 8, 24. If you'll repent of your sins, Luke 13, 3. If you'll confess his name, Romans 10, 10. And be baptized. That's the new birth into the family of God. Baptized for the remission of sins. Acts 2.38. God will wash your sins away with the blood of our older brother, Jesus Christ. You'll be cleansed from your sins. You will enter into the family of God. You'll be in the presence of God. You will have every spiritual blessing to your, to your access. Every privilege will be there for you as a child of God.
you're a child of God, we know that we can err. We know that we can leave home. We know that it's possible that we could be that prodigal. But if we will repent of our sins and confess them before our Father, our Father is faithful and just to forgive our transgressions and our sins. That's why it's such a joy to exalt His name. That's why it's such a joy to dwell in the house of the Lord. He longs to forgive. He desires to forgive. He's waiting to forgive. And for those children who come back, He will cleanse them of their sins. He will take those sins and cast them into the depths of the sea. Hebrews 7 and verse 19. Or rather, uh, what, Micah 7 and verse 19. What a privilege it is to be in the family of God. What a shame it is to not avail ourselves to that great privilege by not obeying the gospel or by taking it for granted and not living as a child of God ought to live. The invitation is yours. If you need to come, please do so while we stand and sing. Thank you so much for listening to this episode on the Scattered Abroad Network. We are grateful for your continued support as well as your continued prayers. If you would like to find out more about our network, please visit our website at scatteredabroad.org. We look forward to studying with you again soon. May God bless you.